It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. Cincinnati Bengals fall to 0-5, losing at the gun to the Arizona Cardinals 26-23. The Cardinals were leading the game 23-9 with 7 minutes and 13 seconds left after a long touchdown run for backup running back Chase Edmonds. But then the Bengals came back and they scored a touchdown with 4.08 to go and then scored a touchdown right at the 2-minute warning to go and tie the game at 23 That was enough time for the Cardinals with three timeouts, though, to go down and easily get into chip shot range for Zane Gonzalez from the left hash, and he managed to put it through to tie the game. Yeah, after the first three quarters, this definitely looked like the two worst teams in the league, or at least uh, two of the bottom teams. And then all of a sudden, a little bit of excitement from Kyler Murray, and he looked like he was hitting his stride, and the Cardinals took a decent lead, 23-9 to at the end of the third quarter quarter and then all of a sudden the Bengals score really quickly at the end and it's a weird game from that perspective because for the most of the game the Bengals looked like they had very little effort uh, very little going on especially after that first offensive drive that was really good the big thing was they were unable to convert on a lot of third downs and a lot of red zone situations that have plagued them all year and I think that put them in the hole you could easily roll this game out there again and I think the Bengals can come away on top but I think this is a mark of a bad team that finds a way to lose somehow at the end this is a football team that can't seem to figure out the first half and that was the strength of the Bengals under Andy Dalton since he's come into the league really they've been good on those scripted drives they were great on the scripted drives last year And this year has taken them a few times this year to the second half before they seem to figure it out on offense. Looking at the scoring drives for the Bengals, they had a 12-play 65-yard drive that resulted in a 23-yard field goal. To come out in the third quarter, they start with the ball, and they go 15 plays for 70 yards and kick another, you guessed it, 23-yard field goal. That's twice that the Bengals got really close to the end zone and couldn't score for some reason or another, be it a penalty, be it throwing the ball behind Tyler Eifert or late and leading to an incomplete pass in the end zone. Then the fourth quarter comes around and they finally find some big plays to punch it in. They find some red zone success. And Zach Taylor manages to not have the distinction of Ken Zampezi, who went two full games without scoring a touchdown before he was fired. Yeah, averaging about 14 points a game leading into this one. The Bengals scored 23, which is a season high for them, surprisingly. Uh, But finally, you get a red zone target for Auden Tate. They got a couple, a fade that didn't work, and then the slant over the middle that that did work. And through the first three quarters, I was thinking, 
without the speed at the receiver position, without John Ross, uh, Alex Erickson went down early, and then it was really just Tyler Boyd over the middle and averaging about five yards per catch until those final two drives. He ended up catching 10 balls for 123 yards and a score, a nice deep ball uh, where he shook the, the safety and got open on the, on the opposite side of where he started. So for Tyler Boyd to come up big that late in the game, it really was – that's the confusing part because the same thing for Dalton is I was through three quarters thinking they can't do it. They they are lacking the talent at too many positions. And then all of a sudden you can find a way to get Boyd open and get him to, to get free versus man coverage. I thought there was even a, a play on the left boundary where they let him get on the outside and run a double move where he was pass interfered with that wasn't called where I started to think, man, Boyd is getting open. Maybe they should feed it to him a little bit more. The Bengals had a hard time targeting the middle of the field generally for much of the game. Early in the game, they were targeting the boundaries, and that wasn't going all that well. I just don't think that they have the players to win one-on-one right now. Although we did see, like you said, we saw some of those guys getting open late in the game, specifically Tyler Boyd. A lot of success for the running game today, too, especially early on that first drive. I think they had 60 rushing yards, maybe 65 rushing yards. I think all of the yards were rushing yards on that first drive before they stalled out and then Arizona comes out and they start playing the run and the running game shuts down again. The offensive line looks much the same as it has same problems at the same positions. This time though, Andre Smith goes down with an injury and John Jerry has to play. And honestly, considering the strength of the Arizona defense is those edge rushers. I think the tackles were fine. Andy Dalton only, like I said, have one sack taken today. So you can't be too mad at any of that, but The result is they just aren't good enough, and it took too long for Zach Taylor to figure out what to do. Yeah, this may have been the best offensive line performance of the season. I was going to say comparable to Seattle in week one, but actually the ground game was working for at least most of today, and especially on that first drive. Joe Mixon ended up with 19 carries for 93 yards, while Gio Bernard and Andy Dalton added 15. So the Bengals go over 100 yards on the ground today, and Mixon averaging 4.9. That's now three games in a row where he looks like he's on track. So it's another close loss for the Bengals, who have been very bad in close games for the last two seasons. And it doesn't really matter because they all count the same. And the Bengals are 0-5, currently leading Tankathon for that number one pick. We haven't really talked about the defense that much yet, but we'll get to that in just a minute. Before that, Joe has something to tell you about. Most guys have tried ways to last longer. Like thinking about Andy Dalton throwing it away on third and eight, right? The folks at Roman a men's health company, are changing the game with Roman Swipes. The secret to longer-lasting sex. Roman Swipes are clinically proven to last longer in bed. They're effective, easy to use, fast-acting, but don't require a prescription. Roman can ship swipes to you in a discreet, unmarked packaging, and each swipes packet is small enough to hide in your wallet whenever you need it. Swipes are great because they will not transfer to your partner during sex, so you can last longer without worrying. They're super easy to use. Just take swipes out of the packet, swipe it on, let it dry, and you're good to go. Get $10 off your first order of swipes and free two-day shipping at GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL for $10 off and free two-day shipping. GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. 
They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, Jake, I'm still trying to decide if the defense is worse than the offense because there were times where the defense, you know, got the Cardinals off the field. And I thought that that's obviously why the Bengals were able to score as quickly as they did late in the game. But there was the first three quarters where I thought the offense was largely terrible. And then they put it together on a couple drives that get them in the game. It's it's all bad. But let's focus on the defense just a little bit. It's weird because both of these teams gave up a lot of sacks coming into this game, and yet each team only gets one sack on the quarterback. And I can be honest, I don't even remember the Cardinals sacking Dalton. It must have been on one of those busted plays in the first half that they just ended up calling a sack. Uh, and then really... Uh, Sam Hubbard's sack on Kyler Murray was a busted play because the blitz gets there, makes Murray step up, and the you know the play's scrambled at that point, and I think Murray just takes the sack. So this defensive line that's supposed to be the strength of the Bengals just rarely impacts the game at this point through through, through the last two weeks, especially. I, I feel like you know coming off the Buffalo game, they were there a lot but couldn't bring down Allen. Then they can't touch Mason Rudolph because really the Steelers never give him a chance. But then you get chances in this game, and they're nowhere to be found and. It's kind of disheartening to look at because this is supposed to be the strength of the team and we're coming away like, if your D-line's not winning, where are they strong? Where are Where is any hope on this defensive side of the ball? I just think overall, it's a it was a struggle today. And it's not like Arizona has the receivers that are really going to hurt you either. So the only receivers to really hurt them were David Johnson and Larry Fitzgerald. And David Johnson got on Sean Williams once, Nick Vigil once, had a couple big catches down the field, Larry Fitzgerald. Honestly, I thought B.W. Webb had a pretty good game. He beat he beat B.W. Webb at least once, but B.W. Webb had some few solid pass breakups and was solid in the run game, and he's playing with a broken arm. So a few props for B.W. Webb, I think. Even Drake Kirkpatrick had an okay game today, breaking up plays after the ball got to the receiver. I mean, he's still not going to find the ball in the air. I don't think he ever will, but he did manage to break up a few balls after the receiver kind of had caught the ball, and... I think William Jackson had a solid game, too. I was just going to say in the tackle for Drake Kirkpatrick on the goal line there on Fitzgerald that, that forced a field goal. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were a couple of plays for Kirkpatrick where he was blocked out of the play. I remember one oh, yeah. early gets blocked into the bench. But then later in the game, he actually does a good job of setting the edge and letting the backside pursuit catch David Johnson as he's trying to turn the corner. So up and down game for Dre, but... Pretty good, I think, for him. He was at least average if you if you put it all in and, and take out the performance altogether. Jackson, again, like both these guys have issues in run defense, but they didn't give up catches on the perimeter today. And you would hope that they wouldn't because, again, like I said, Arizona doesn't have the weapons of receiver, especially with Christian Kirk missing the game. Yeah, thinking of that with the O-line being as bad as it is, even though I thought they they held up today versus the Bengals, and Murray not really not having anyone to throw to other than Johnson and Fitzgerald, uh, Murray didn't kill the Bengals. He, he was okay. He had some plays on the ground, though. Ten carries for 93 yards and a touchdown. That touchdown to start the game to, to cap off their initial drive was really nice. He shook William Jackson and then ran him over. Uh, Murray made enough throws. There was maybe three or four really nice throws that he made that I think were the difference in the game probably, especially in the first half. You know, if the Bengals come away with a couple more points in the first half, this is a completely different game. Uh, So, you know, largely that didn't affect them. It was the ground game, again, for the Bengals. David Johnson with 91 yards on the ground. Chase Edmonds, I'm sure there's 95% of Bengals fans don't know who he is, 
eight carries for 68 yards and a score. That one down the left side that really put the game out of reach at that point uh, before the Bengals scored. I mean, just everyone here is is averaging five yards per carry at least. And, you know, they gave one to Keyshawn Johnson on a reverse. He got three. But still, point being is, again, these teams are attacking the Bengals on the perimeter and on the edge with speed guys, with with multiple running backs. Ever since the 49ers did it week two, it's been the game plan for everyone to try and get, get them horizontal, get your fast guys the ball, which is Edmonds. Isabella had two carries for 11 yards, and they haven't used them all year. So they definitely knew what the game plan was, and it worked for the most part. And then when you're attacking the Bengals in the secondary, attack middle of field, attack safeties, attack linebackers. They did a lot of that as well. Larry Fitzgerald had eight targets, six catches for 58 yards. Again, I think BWF had a good enough game with a couple pass breakups, and not all those catches for Fitzgerald came against Webb. But still, middle of field open in the secondary somehow, despite playing a lot of odd coverages back there. And perimeter open for your running game because... The defensive line isn't being effective at setting the edge outside of a few good plays from Carlos Dunlap. And the the corners just cannot play the run game. They really miss that kind of Leon Hall brand of run defense that they've had on the perimeter out there. And the safeties just, the safeties are making a lot of plays because they're the last guys back there to do it. Yeah. Uh, Jesse Bates missed the tackle on that Chase Edmonds touchdown because the play got to him. And he ends up diving at the feet of, of Edmonds and he doesn't make the play. And the announcer kind of comments, you know, run through the tackle, get there. But somebody else in front of him needs to slow the guy down. I mean, that's just a, a sprint sweep and he's not touched on his way to the end zone, essentially. So making it a little bit too easy on the ends. I thought there were a few plays that the Bengals made stops. And there were. There were a few plays where Ryan Glasgow had a few nice stops. Carlos Dunlap had a few nice stops. But... They're too few and far between, right? Because if you're getting those stops and your opposition is still averaging seven yards per run, given that a lot of that's from Kyler Murray, over five yards for all the other ball carriers, that means you're getting gashed too much too. And that's second level stuff. That's your linebackers. That's your corners. That's, you know, everyone behind the defensive line not making plays. Yeah, and to your point about the middle of the field, that's where Fitz survives. Um, Getting the ball to running backs Chase Edmonds at three for 18. David Johnson at three for 65 out of the backfield. So that's six catches for over 80 yards to the running backs. Again, the Bengals are getting chewed by those guys. Right now, you look at where their uh, numbers are going, where the targets and yards are. I tweeted this before the game. They're they're getting killed by the running backs, and it's not the tight ends. And this, this week, it was Charles Clay with just one catch for 27 yards. Max Williams, one catch for seven yards. Really non-existent for both teams. And we'll talk about the offense and their lack of use at, at tight end for the Bengals. But... Farrell Cooper then, you know, two for 33, the one over the middle when you get Sean Williams on him. Here's a guy who the Bengals just cut. Maybe they might wish they have him now as Alex Erickson is is on concussion watch and the Bengals had to call up Stanley Morgan. Uh, but, yeah, just overall, again, the safeties for the Bengals leading the team in tackles. Sean Williams had 12 total tackles. Jesse Bates had six total tackles. It's just you're getting to them far too often, and the linebackers aren't there to make plays. So a lot of people are calling for Lou Anarumo to be fired on Twitter. What's your feel there? I feel like he's getting a little too fancy in the back end in particular. So talking about that Farrell Cooper play, for example, Sean Williams is starting at linebacker and it's like an inverted cover three or something where he's coming across the field to find Farrell Cooper and then he has to get vertical with him. And you're asking Sean Williams to do that. And Farrell Cooper isn't the fleetest of foot, but when he's getting a free release and a free shot down the seam, you're asking a guy to go over horizontally and then get vertical with the receiver. That's yeah. a hard ask for a guy like Sean Williams. 
I feel like there have been several times this season where the Bengals get burned at least once per game because they're doing something weird at the back end in the secondary trying to disguise the zones. And I think in the NFL these days, we've talked about the fact that fire zone blitzes have gone out of style. Maybe these exotic disguises that Luana Rumo is trying aren't a good fit for this team. I just think of the last three quarterbacks they've lost to and Josh Allen, Mason Rudolph, and Kyler Murray. And that shouldn't happen, to be honest. Neither of those guys, none of them played extraordinary to beat you. You just didn't cause them to, to really turn the ball over. You didn't sack them enough. You didn't give them much to think about. The ball's coming out pretty quickly, and when it's not, the pass rush isn't there. You're turning maybe the strength of the team and the defensive line into just average guys out there. They they don't affect the game at all. And the linebackers, we know the issues there. So it's hard for me to say, oh, that's Anarumo, uh, because they're not getting killed by tight ends this year. That's, so that's great, but now running backs are doing it. So... Um, I've got issues with the defense, what's being called, if they're doing the right thing with all the different looks. I understand you have to get to that point eventually when you have a good defense and you keep creating and adding to the defense to provide different looks uh, to your opponent, but they're not there yet. And maybe they need to cut it back to the basics and let these guys play. There's no reason someone like Jesse Bates should be having such a drastic change from what he was having last year just because now he's put in more position to fail, which I think he is. Open field tackling, that was his weakness coming out of Wake Forest, and I think we're seeing it much more often than we had last year. Yeah, I agree with all of that. How about Ryan Glasgow makes his return? I thought he had a really solid game. Carl Lawson, though, didn't really feel much of an impact from Lawson on the edge, and these tackles for Arizona aren't particularly good. He was actually the one getting chipped, and that's Lawson. And I watched in the first half, and you know the few third and longs they got, Lawson gets out there, and David Johnson, whoever's at back, was chipping and helping that side, and no one else is making an impact. The ball's out, or Murray's buying time and moving in the pocket. So, yeah, I think it was more against the run, some of the option stuff, some of the times that Murray was able to break free and run right down the middle where no one's there. Mm-hmm. There's some containment issues on the mm-hmm. defensive line, and that's where I, I saw Lawson a couple times where I thought, eh, you know, he's just either he's too far upfield or he, he just can't break down in space. He's a little bit tight, I thought. And for Glasgow, yeah, Glasgow's a solid contributor. Honestly, right now the four defensive tackles are all playing pretty well. Maybe the only unit on the entire team where I feel like one through four they're producing and contributing. They're just right now – Atkins if he's not dominating and he really hasn't much or for for long stretches they're a largely average group so saying that they're the best on the team is saying a lot yeah a lot of names that we look at here that you would think and hope would be the Bengals key contributors and they're just not doing enough maybe we'll talk about that tomorrow and we're over some of the film or over some of the emotion reacting to the game itself a lot of talk about trades but I don't think that's for today's episode we need to shift gears to the offense here We'll talk about that in just a minute. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In front of an empty Paul Brown Stadium, Zach Taylor and the Bengals offense, for the most part, for most of the game, failed to muster anything 
exciting, show anything exciting, show anything new. And when they did, it was weird fourth and one calls where you're having an option out of shotgun with Andy Dalton that fails completely. Or it's, uh, you know, little things in the red zone or third down where it just seemed to lack complete creativity or ways to make adjustments until they go into halftime. The Bengals offense, again, for the most part, was dreadful and just unexciting and unentertaining to watch for three quarters. Yeah, let's look play-by-play or drive-by-drive for a second here and talk about the drives. First drive, 12 plays, 65 yards, stalls out. Good drive. They need to find a way to figure out whatever's going on in the red zone, but good drive, 20-20. to Next drive, three plays, three yards. Obviously a disaster. Next drive, six plays, 17 yards, and I feel like there's a penalty in that one. You'd have to if you're only averaging three yards per play. There was no penalty... However, there was a negative run on a second and four that led to a third and five to Stanley Morgan that was dropped. That's a Byron Murphy. Some of you think pass breakup. I think Stanley Morgan needs to A, come back to the ball, B, use his hands and not try to trap it against his body. And I was excited to see Stanley Morgan out there. He caught a pass and then, yeah, if they're not coming back and fighting through that ball and for that ball, he was basically removed. They took Auden Tate and swapped him to the other side, which he was swapped once before already with John Ross earlier in the year. Uh, And they inserted Damian Willis, who I thought was okay. Again, these two guys aren't going to create a lot of separation. They're not going to provide a lot of speed. And that hindered them on a few plays this this week. Uh, But then, you know, they were consistent, reliable targets in terms of making tough contested grabs and it wasn't until they schemed open Boyd a couple times to get him deep where the offense or these receivers actually looked like they could help a team and you can't really knock Willis or Morgan both of them are undrafted free agents that are being asked to play an entire NFL game and contribute and you would hope to get more but they contribute what you would expect or maybe even a little bit better in the case of Willis than you would expect from an undrafted free agent so that drive uh, ends with the the six and out. They they get one first down there. Then they come back. They get a 52-yard kickoff return from Brandon Wilson after Alex Erickson is concussed. And then they get 15 yards gifted to him by a penalty. So they're down at the 35. They haven't even started the drive yet. Well, and then they gain five more yards and kick a field goal. So what happened there? They run for no gain. They take a five-yard gain on second down, get a third and manageable. Then they take a deep shot no no completion then then six six points at this point games 10 six that's the last time the Bengals had the ball in the first quarter as Arizona goes on a 12 play three and a half minute drive kicks a field goal going into the half another coaching staff that can't figure out how to stop the other team from scoring going into halftime Bengals come back out kick another 23 yard field goal after a 15 play 70 yard drive so two drives go deep into Arizona territory get down toward the red zone they settle for field goals obviously if they score touchdowns there instead much different game and the the outcome the outlook at this point is a lot different too so a couple nice drives a couple bad drives and another play six play 22 yard drive four play 14 yard drive so they've just a few drives really that were really bad in this game so you could say in a sense it was a step forward for the offense, but they did have back-to-back bad drives a couple times. Three yards and 17 yards in the first quarter, and then in the third quarter, they go 22 yards and 14 yards, and that's just leaving too many points out there, especially with the field goals they kicked. 
Yeah, the theme here, though, is a lot of them are six, seven, eight plays, and they're only getting 15 yards on those. So the, at one point, the Bengals are averaging four and a half yards per play right before they get, get their two final two scoring drives. And that's just not going to be sustainable for this offense in terms of putting up points because the O-line you know, isn't there, because the, the quarterback isn't going to create plays because the receivers aren't really good right now. So when you're asking them to go eight to 12 play drives without getting a chunk play in there anywhere, you're asking them to be perfect for how many plays in a row for five yards a pop. It's just, it's not sustainable. And that you can see why they fail so often. You shouldn't get to third down so many times. Uh, they need to create more on first and second down. Yeah, this isn't a team like even the Steelers last week against the Bengals on Monday night that could afford to dink and dunk down the field because they have a great offensive line and they're finding space underneath. Teams aren't giving the Bengals space underneath because they're not scared of the deep ball right now, right? You saw all, all game. The Cardinals are crashing down on all these short routes, slants, comebacks, yep. whatever it is. They're crashing down on them. And yes, the Bengals missed some opportunities and left some points on the field, especially in the red zone. But that's the personnel that this team has. They know that the ball has to come out quick. And right now there's no speed. And so when the running game gets stopped, which it does on the second drive of the game, well, this is what you get. One credit I do want to say is finally, right? For one play, finally, we saw Giovanni Bernard and Joe Mixon on the field mm-hmm. together. Gio quickly converted on a third down. He caught a couple balls. Actually, Gio was out there the last two drives because Mixon did not want to pass protect. I don't know if you noticed that, but he's just throwing shoulders in the guys and falling off them and got Dalton killed twice, and they took him out of there. They said, you know, pretty much Gio is going to play the passing game for the final two drives after that. Uh, and, you know, you only given Geo five touches per game right now. It's maddening. I can under, kind of understand because they can't get anything sustainable on offense, but still, he's one of your better players. So not using him, we talked about this last week, is a terrible value, maybe the worst value of any running back in the league right now for what they're paying him and what he can do, and you're not doing anything. But then the tight ends today. The Cardinals have been gashed. I mean, they've given up like 400 yards to tight ends so far this through this season, yet the Bengals come out. And they don't even, don't even use them. We go half the game. We're wondering if these guys are going to have a catch. There was one target to uh, Eifert in the end zone that, that failed. But Uzama ended up with two catches for 16 yards. Eifert, two catches, 14 yards. I mean, eight yards and seven yards per catch. That's it for the tight ends? That's all you got? No, this isn't a get-right game or a chance to use Drew Sample in any way. I think that's one of the most maddening parts about this game is we know how the Bengals' defense is susceptible, right, through this now four weeks. But yet, what do we see each Every time these teams come out and say, okay, we're going to do what the last team did, and we're going to exploit them horizontally, a lot of misdirection, a lot of motion, the Cardinals are getting gashed and exploited by tight ends. The Bengals don't come out, and they don't don't use them at all. If anything, the Cardinals were were showing blitz, and Dalton was audibling and changing Eifert to pass protect. I don't know if you notice that. You can see the difference in footwork as as if he's got a staggered footstep, as if he's going to run a route like a receiver, and then Dalton will tell him something, his feet go even, and he pass protects. And so maybe it's the Cardinals were, maybe that's their adjustment. Like, okay, we can force him to keep a guy in. But I think at some point the Bengals got to adjust and say, we got to get these tight ends downfield and help, especially when you're down the way you are at receiver. Yeah, maybe it's kind of a cat and mouse game, right? Where the Cardinals aren't really worried about the Bengals receivers because no AJ Green, no John Ross, so they feel better yeah. about setting guys up there to come blitz. And then, yeah, I noticed Tyler Eifert was in there pass blocking a lot. Six targets for the tight ends. I think all of them came in the second half. They weren't game planning for it, and they just kind of, kind of tried to do it their way. And it sort of started working, and then 
things kind of fell apart and it's some of the same themes we saw last year where they can't get the big play, they can't sustain drives, and you need one of those two things in the NFL. And the Bengals just with the offensive line, with the personnel at receiver, can't do either right now. Yeah, and you got to think of their two scoring drives. What they get, right? They got some big plays, especially the couple to Tyler Boyd um, down the middle and then down the middle again for the big score. But you look at the rest of their, their plays, as we said, without the big play happening, this offense is nothing. And right now they don't have many big play receivers or options outside of Tyler Boyd. And if you would have asked me through 50 minutes of the game, I would have said they had none. And it wasn't until Boyd got open deep that uh, made me change my tune a little bit here. Yeah, so it's a tough game for Zach Taylor to call, for sure, right? When you're running Tyler Boyd, who's predominantly a slot guy, and two undrafted free agent receivers, or maybe one and a seventh being uh, Auden Tate, how do you call plays for that? Well, find creative ways to use Geo. Find ways to use CJ Uzama. The screen game totally went away today. I think they ran two screens, maybe, and this is a heavy screen team coming into this game. And last week I told Zach Taylor, throw your screens away because they're not well designed. But I didn't mean remove screens from the playbook because you need those, especially with your offensive line being what it is. You need that tool. You just need better screen plays. And we saw them just go away from it this week. So, again, a lot of drop back passing, which I'm really sick of because drop back passing just is not what this team is good at. And they're being forced to do it a lot. Uh just got to find other ways to to get creative and and stick with your play action. Find the easy schemed open stuff, and we got to see that happen earlier in games. Yeah, if anything, this was the game to run a lot of play action, right? Because they had success on the ground. They showed it. The first two drives, they're like, oh, we're going to run the ball. And um, you would think at some point that run would be even more effective and maybe the pass rush would slow down a little bit. But the wide receiver screens aren't there that's to me i'm watching the cardinals offense and anytime there was off coverage or anytime they'd stack a guy they'd flip it out there give murray an easy completion let a guy run a little bit get six yards off it It an extension of the run game i that's something i think the Bengals aren't using at all and maybe it's the receivers maybe because they don't have an athletic quick guy to really make anyone miss even tyler boyd had caught a couple underneath today that he got taken down i thought fairly easily uh, but still, giving Fitzgerald a, a screen pass for the for the Cardinals, he was making something happen out of it for the most part until they got down the one-yard line. But, uh, yeah, hopefully in the future, maybe. I guess it kind of depends where we're at, Jake. Do we want this team to win? I was kind of had mixed feelings there in the last couple minutes here. Where I'm like, okay, this is exciting. This is fun. Oh, Boyd scored a touchdown. I like Boyd. He's part of the future core that we're going to build around. Uh, but I was kind of like, this game probably means more if they just – somehow lose and they found a way to yeah so looking at the tankathon and the outlook right it's washington it's new york it's miami washington plays new york and miami the jets play miami twice now they're going to get sam darnold back soon and they're going to be expected to win both of those games against miami and then it all comes down to that week 16 game for the bengals against miami if the rest of the season continues to go the way it has which is to say not good looking at the rest of the afc north though pittsburgh drops to zero and four their sixth overall pick as it would be if the season were to end today is currently in the hands of miami and the ravens go to three and two cleveland plays tomorrow night yeah steelers one and four though they uh they lost overtime to the to the ravens you said oh you said oh one four i meant one and four right obviously they beat us last week so everyone realizes that but uh you know what I did this weekend, though, that I typically don't do? Honestly, I've watched very little, little college football during 
the season because I cram it and just watch, you know, I'll watch 10 games of a prospect in a row to That's get a good Bengals feel for them. Right. Duke Tobin was at the Utah State and LSU game and to watch Joe Burrow and Jordan Love. And at The Athletic, we've got a chat where we share who all the scouts are getting credentials are in, at these games. And the Bengals are never at these games, ever, ever, ever. We haven't, I haven't seen a Bengals name yet this year. And Duke Tobin was there to watch two quarterbacks that may go in the first or second round. So that's something. But also, I watched uh, Oregon and, and Justin Herbert the whole game and that was the most fun I had with football this weekend. Herbert and that Oregon team, similar to the Bengals in so many Very. of the worst ways. <laughs> but he was fun. I think he is fun. I think that there are some fun quarterbacks we'll look at later this season. It's been five weeks. We're talking about the draft. That's the kind of season we're having for the Cincinnati Bengals. They're 0-5. They play the Ravens next week. Hey, we'll see what happens from here on out. I don't know what to root for anymore. I wish this team was a little bit more likable. I do like individual players, but man, just watching the product on the field is tough. We'll talk about some of that tomorrow. We'll talk about maybe some trade scenarios because those are really bubbling up. It is still Mike Brown, though. That'll do it for today's episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Until next time, Bengals fans, have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.